Hey everyone, good morning. Can you, you all can hear me good? I sound loud here, but it might be a little quieter further back. So, um, hope you're doing uh, really well this Sunday morning. Um, in case you're new here to Res City uh, or new to this place where we're meeting <laughs> for Res City this Sunday morning, my name is Joel and I'm one of the pastors here uh, at the church. And we're just very thankful to have you out here joining us on this Sunday morning. So, what I want to do is I'm going to read our passage that we're going to be walking through this morning and I'm going to pray and then we'll jump into it. Um, this uh, is obviously a uh, uh, Sunday morning where we're doing a baptism, and that's super exciting, um, and that's why we're at this lake, even though we can't use this lake, um, which we found out on Wednesday night, so we had to kind of scramble and adjust, but we're really thankful that uh, we're going to make this happen anyway. We got a beautiful Sunday morning, and we're just, uh, we're just excited, so let me read the passage, we'll pray, and then uh, we'll, we'll walk through, the, uh, through our, uh, our message for this morning. Passages Philippians 1, 3 to 6. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to gather this Sunday morning in worship. Um, in, in baptism and celebrating the work that you are doing in, in people's lives, God, um, and as we hopefully anticipate and wait and see how you will bring it to completion. Um, help us to, uh, to, to, to learn from your word, Lord, to be comforted, to be encouraged um, by it this Sunday morning, and, and bless us as we, we go through and we do this thing that, that is so important to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, you know, I know we're, we're kind of moving out of this period finally, right? But this last year, I'm going to guess that you've probably watched more TV in your li- than you ever have in your life before the, before the last year, right? Like, even if you're not, I know some people are already, like, are big TV watchers, um, but a lot of people aren't. And, but when they were stuck inside of their house, you know, in the middle of the winter and there's nothing else to do, a lot of people were like, well, let's just binge a TV show, right? And, and, um, you know, it, it's it, when you, when you get to binge watch a show, it, it, you get you get you get to really kind of see how a show s- kind of moves from beginning to end, right? And you get to kind of sometimes maybe you start a show and it really grabs you, it really pulls you in. Maybe there's some um, hype, right, or it sucks you into a world that it creates. Uh, maybe there's some big mystery element to it. Maybe you're just so fascinated by the characters. And you watch the show, and right, and when a sh- when a series ends, they try to bring to kind of completion everything that they've started. Now, um, sometimes it works great, right? But other times, it's really sad, uh, like unsatisfying or controversial. And and so you know, some shows like there's like a lot of shows actually out there that were really popular that people kind of hated the ending of. Right, so some of these shows like Lost. I never watched the show Lost, but I know that a lot of people were upset with that. Um, Julie's a big fan of Gilmore Girls. I know when she talks about how that show ended, there's usually kind of kind of some furrowing of her brow when when she does that. Um, shows like uh, Game of Thrones or How I Met Your Mother or The Sopranos. I know these are all shows that had sort of maybe unsatisfying or controversial endings, right? Um, and 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 so well, I think the the lesson there is that. Um, Finishing strong or finishing well is not not always the easiest thing, right? It, it's a challenge sometimes to start something and then maintain it and then finish it in a way that is really satisfying, you know, f- throughout that whole journey. 
Um, and, 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 you know, you, you know what it's like when you do finish something you put a lot of work into. So, you know, if you've ever run like a 5K or a marathon or something like that, you know how much work you put into beforehand to run it. It's not just something you can roll out of bed and do. You have to put a lot of work into training for it. And then when you're actually running it, like, that's a, that's a big thing that you're, you know, you're pushing through and you're trying to finish it strong, right? And when you cross that finish line, you might feel terrible, but you also feel like so good about finishing well, right? It's a very satisfying feeling. Um, but also think about all the things that maybe you've started that you didn't finish well, or, or that something sort of came in and robbed it, right? And so, so it could, you know, could be something you, you know, something that's less serious, something that you just lost interest in, right? Like a book that you started and you got halfway through and you just, you keep meaning to get back to it, but you know you never will, right? You know what that's like or movies or maybe a TV series that didn't grab you and you just were like, nope, I don't even care if this ends in a satisfying way, um, right? Uh, house projects, right? Hobbies, uh, or maybe you did train to run a 5K and you didn't even get to the 5K part of it, right? Like lots of things like that. We can look back at it and things that aren't that, you know, serious, but maybe it's more serious things, right? W we all have had things that, you know, maybe we started that didn't end that, are, are more serious, that leave a bigger impact on us. Things like um, maybe relationships, um, maybe uh, something you, you, you intended to finish, but something you did stopped you from, from, from completing it, right? It could be school or a career or, or something like that. Maybe, maybe something came along that knocked you off course. It was outside of your control, but it still kept you from finishing strongly. Um, something, too much pressure, something you were, you were unable to endure to finish something well. Um, and, and you feel the weight of that, right? It's hard to, to know that something was left unfinished that started strongly. Now, here's a question. When we kind of, when we kind of ask ourselves, we, we think about this, right? And we ask ourselves what it looks like to finish something that's been started, but see it finished through to completion. Maybe we want to ask ourselves this. I think this is an important question to ask. Is God good at starting things, but maybe not as good at finishing them, right? Um, can, does he get knocked off course? Is he sort of susceptible to outside forces that might come in and, and mess his work up, derailing it? Does he get bored of things that he starts sometimes? Um, can our unfaithfulness sort of come in and ruin, ruin it for him? Um, and I think maybe we're, we're living in a moment right now where that's a, that's a serious question we're asking ourselves, right? Or we might be asking ourselves what that looks like, right? It's sort of a, you know, maybe you know someone who's walked away from faith, um, you know, may, maybe you, you see stats around uh, faith in, in America, or stats around church decline, different things like that. It's kind of hard to miss a lot of that in the world. Um, you know, a, a popular word today to describe where a lot of people are at is deconstruction. I don't know if that's one you've heard before, just kind of uh, people really looking at their faith and asking hard questions and, and, and sort of leaving par at least parts of it behind. Um, this is a pretty common thing right now that people are living through. Uh, or maybe, maybe you, you know people who are not, um, you know, they haven't left the faith, but the version of faith that they have to you, it doesn't look like what you think faithful Christianity looks like, right? It, maybe it's a more politicized version of it or, or something like that. I think that's, that's another thing that we can ask ourselves. Well, what's God doing, you know, as part of this? Sorry here about all the wind. Um, actually, I don't know why I'm apologizing. I don't have any control over it, but um, so anyway, we might ask ourselves this question, does God actually see things through to completion, right? W w what does that look like? And when we look at passages like, like this one I just read in Philippians that we're going to be 
uh, camping out on this morning, we're told that God is a finisher. That's what Paul says. Um, and, and that's how, you know, we're starting a, a series in Philippians, um, and we're going to be kind of walking through it the rest of the summer here. But I thought, you know, what more perfect spot to hone in on as we start the series off and as we do baptisms than this part of the letter to the Philippians right at the beginning where Paul says what he, what he said. Um, so let me just give you a little bit of background. We'll actually dive deeper into Philippians next week. Um, we'll ca- try to give you a little bit more of what's going on. But Paul writes this letter to the Philippians, which is a church that he just really loves dearly. And um, it's one of the first that he started in his mission work. Um, and it's actually the very first that he started on the continent of Europe. So it's a, got a, very, it's a very special church to him. And you can sense his affection, his tone of love for them as you read the letter. It just kind of spills off the page. You can really sense it even 2,000 years later now as we read this, you know, so far removed. That still comes through in it. Um, and we'll, we'll talk more about why that is as we go through the series. It's not really important at the moment here. But um, he, he starts as he writes back to them by letting them know, them know how much it encourages him and excites him to know that the work that was started when he first met them is going to see completion uh, come about. And he's, he's been more encouraged by, you know, what's going on behind the scenes that, like I said, we'll talk about um, as to why that is, or to, to make him feel that way. So let me read the passage again here. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident that th- of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So he talks about good work there. What, what he's saying is this, the Spirit came in power to you when I first came to you, when I first met you, first told you about the risen King Jesus and, and the work that God was doing through him in the world. Um, it, this came in a way that affected faith and loyalty from you for this Jesus. And, and you decided to follow him. It changed your situation. It changed your outlook. Um, and, 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 and it made something possible at one time that wasn't. And Paul is very aware of the start of that, right? Um, but he's also confident to, that it's going to uh, see its way through to the end. Now, maybe we think, well, Paul's just an optimist, or he's, you know, he's, in a, you know, he's just in, in a, a rosy state of life right now, right? You know how you can f- kind of feel good about everything when things are going well? Well, Paul's in prison when he writes this. So if you're thinking maybe he's just in a place where everything, you know, everything looks like the glass is half full, it's actually the opposite. If anything, the work that he'd been started, and we're not sure where he's in prison, but by a lot of people's accounts, he's in prison in Ephesus when everything has gone wrong in his ministry. Things are kind of falling apart all around him. Yet he still finds this confidence, even though we would think he would be depressed, disillusioned, uh, maybe fear, filled with fear, despair, maybe angry at God, yet he still finds a lot of joy and a lot of hope that God is going to complete what he started. He's confident that God will be faithful to finish what he started in Philippi and in the other places that he did his ministry with, with power and intent, that God's not lost interest, that there's not been something that's going to kind of come around and, and, and knock God off of his course. Now, maybe you hear it, right? And I think that this, this can happen. And it's a good question to ask yourself, too. Like, well, what, good is, what, good, what is this one verse? You know, what good is that? How much should that actually move me or encourage me? I think a lot of times, you know, w- when you hear a sermon preached and you, you hear the word preached, right? Sometimes that can really, you know, really move us. But other times it can just kind of feel like words, right? Like so that someone wrote that. What does that matter? And, and that I think 
that's that's a good question to ask. But it also is a good time for us to assess what do we th- what do we think we're reading when we read scripture. Um, the Bible is not just a book of sentences for you to kind of pull out and just say this is in here, so it has to be true, right? Just kind of remove from its context, remove from what's going on around it. Scripture is this: if you read through it, it's not a list of uh, of rules or of doctrines or anything like that. It's really a story. It's really sort of us getting to watch the development of something that God has been doing through, you know, many many people for many thousands of years. That's what it is. Is it's uh, it's our ability to watch what God is doing and people who are there as God is working, processing through it, putting down words that God approve to uh, to, to kind of be the ap- approved uh, telling of this story. And so. Um, and so w- w- when we look at what, what's behind all of this, right, what, what Paul is probably reflecting on as he writes this is this story that Paul finds himself inhabiting that, and that he sees the Philippians as a part of. And I think we need to also be constantly inhabiting as well, right? Constantly reminding ourselves that we're a part of a whole story that, that we're intertwined into that is about what God is doing in the world and has been doing for thousands of years, Okay, far longer than we've been alive and that w- from what we've experienced. And when you look at the Bible, it's a long story of God's faithfulness to accomplish his, his purpose, right? It's a resume of a God who finishes what he starts, who doesn't leave things sort of laying there half finished because he's bored or he can't figure out how to figure it out, okay? Uh, at no part of the story of scripture do we not see God being faithful and completing and, and finding that at the center, the sort of the driving force behind the story. So let's just, let's just go back and look at it. I think it's helpful, again, for us to walk through this. So if we go back to the very beginning of the Bible at creation, we find a story about God creating the world, right? And, and we, we find that it's, it's not one way, and he starts something, and then he keeps sort of finishing it, and, and we find that every point he says, oh, it's very good at the end here, Okay? And, and actually, th- some, some scholars think when Paul talks about um, good work in Philippians here, it's intended to be sort of an echo of the good work that God does in creation. At the end of the day, God say, looking at his work and saying it was good. Okay, that's a s- similar, similar uh, language to the Greek version of, of Genesis 1-2. God um, is faithful to that. And even though humanity breaks, he puts, split, puts a crack right through the middle of that thing that he had done. Right? We find God continually returning to it and being faithful to, to, to mend that crack. Right? That everything that he's doing is about mending that crack now. And so even if we move forward in the story, we find a people that get created uh, around the guy, a guy named Abraham and his wife Sarah. And um, God tells him, I'm going to do this stuff through you, okay? Like, here's some good work I'm starting with you, and I'm going to see it through to completion. And, and Abraham uh, and, his, and his wife Sarah can kind of be knuckleheads sometimes, and they go and they try, they, 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 they hear that God is going to do this thing, but they don't see him doing anything about it. And so they think, well, well let's go figure it out on our own. And they try to have a kid that's going to be the, the line of this people, and they end up totally messing it up. And you would think at this point God would say, all right, this is too much, this is too much, guys. But he doesn't. He continues on and he gives them a child through which the, the nation of Israel comes from, Isaac. And then that, that uh, that, that people that come from Isaac end up going in slavery for 400 years, 
right? And you might think, well, this is the point of the story where God got bored or something threw this off, right? This great nation, um, this great political, uh, uh, signific- politically significant nation, um, Egypt, came along and God was not quite enough to overcome what was happening there. But no, we find God delivers them from slavery, okay? He goes toe-to-toe with the greatest uh, God king in the whole earth, and he beats them, and he sets his people free, and God goes about accomplishing his purpose, continuing on to do that. Um, he gives them the covenant where he says, hey, guys, I know you're going to mess this up, but I'm going to continue to be faithful through you regardless. And we see the whole New T- Old Testament is a story of God doing that that finds fulfillment finally in Jesus' coming. And in books that we've studied as a church in the last few years since we, we planted, books like Ruth and Habakkuk and Daniel, we find people in hairy situations, not fun places to be, where we continue to see God be faithful and work through them and through their circumstances to bring about his good purpose, right? Everywhere we look in the Bible, we see God accomplishing his purpose, completing it, bringing it to the end. And the Philippians, and now us, are folded into that story, the story that has God's faithfulness at the center, and we can trust that God's faithfulness will continue to be at the center. Now, what does that look like? I think it's, it, it's one thing to say a lot of that stuff, and it's another to kind of dig into what, what, is, what does Paul think that looks like? And I don't know for sure what Paul was going through Paul's mind, but I know Paul read his Old Testament quite a bit. He probably had a lot of it memorized. He might have had the whole thing memorized, okay? So when he's sitting in prison, um, surrounded by rats and the air pungent with his own B.O., right? He's probably meditating on the Old Testament at this time. And, and my guess is he's spending a lot of time in the book of Isaiah uh, when he's thinking about God bringing to completion something that he started. And in the book of Isaiah, we find Israel I- I in a tough spot, but we, f- w- 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 we hear a story about God who will come. And when he comes, it's, it's going to be in a way that is not expected, and it's going to be a way that comes um, quite apart from any sort of wisdom or knowledge that the Israelites um, that are reading at the time might have. And, um, and we see this uh, specifically in Isaiah 55, 8 through 11. Okay, so let me read this to you. Right? Perhaps Paul is reflecting on this passage when he thinks about what God bringing to completion, what he started in the Philippians, might look like. So he says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down on heaven, down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent. So if we kind of gather some takeaways from that, okay, I think it's, a, let's linger on that a little bit. Let's take, let's, let's, let's do some takeaways from that. Um, I, I, there's a few things I think that we can reflect on and sort of internalize as we think about what it looks like for God to bring about his completion of his purpose. Okay, the first thing is this, that God's path to fulfillment is often indiscernible to us, right? Um, And and that's not a bad thing, right? Some of the best movies out there, some of the best finishes to a TV show or movie are ones where you do not see it coming, what happens. So at community group the other night, uh, Miles and I were chatting about The Prestige. Have you guys seen that one with Christopher, Christopher Nolan movie? I won't spoil it for you. You really should see it. But it's, it's one of those movies where 
you think one thing is happening and at the end you find out it was something you totally didn't see coming and it's this brilliant twist and it's so satisfying and exciting right that's not a bad thing that's actually really fun when that happens and it shows that a good story can have those it can be indiscernible to us you know in the moment when we're at the midpoint of it even if we don't know what it's all going to look like and this is how god often works right is at the end we might see how it finally comes to completion in a way we totally didn't expect and that is totally fine because god is a god whose thoughts are not our thoughts and whose ways are not our ways okay that's what we're we're told in isaiah and so when if we want to ask ourselves a question or think something like if god were going to be faithful it would look like this right we got to stop ourselves because if god were going to be faithful he could do it however he wanted to and he'd probably do it in a way that you would never cook up that's far better than anything you would cook up. And that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing at all. Okay? God is saying, my faithfulness takes forms you can't see, paths in the fog that you can't perceive, destinations you may not have even realized existed. Okay? And, and, and we've got to stop ourselves from being prisoners of the moment, sort of leading us into despair or acting rationally. So God's path to fulfillment and to fulfilling his good work in, in, in us and in, 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 in others is not always going to look linear. And that's okay, okay? That doesn't mean that's not still part of the path. So even, even sometimes, maybe even a period of journeying out of faith or out of the church or taking on a diluted version of Christianity, that just might be part of the journey, okay? And that's, that's okay, okay? That, that, that's what we're being told here. It doesn't mean that God is not bringing to completion work that he started, Okay? It's, it's a mystery to us, and it's one that we're called to embrace, right? We're, we're told two, th- two things in the Bible. One is that our decisions matter, and the other that God is in control of everything. And I know there's lots of debates about how those two things play out, and I really think the right answer is just sort of saying, cool. I don't know what that looks like, but I, th- I think it can be true, just because I can't draw it up on, on a napkin or something and figure out exactly what that looks like doesn't mean that God cannot have some way in which the two of those things are working together. And that's why I think Isaiah 55 sort of went paired with us hoping and waiting expectantly for God to be faithful, to bring to completion what he started. That's what that looks like. We have to learn to trust God then. And that's our sort of second takeaway here is we have to learn to trust God with ourselves and with those we love and, and with, with the things that we, we, we see in the world that God is doing. We have to learn to trust him with it. Okay? And this is a growth pattern. This is such a huge part of what it looks like to follow Jesus is being willing to, in, in humility, sort of accept our limitations and trust God with it. Um, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit all sort of surround this. In Galatians 5, Paul talks about these sort of essential um, uh, fruit that grows as the Spirit works in our lives. And these are like virtues or or character uh, traits that that, that manifest in us. And things like patience or self-control or peace are directly tied to our trust of what God is doing in any circumstance, right? Or or Paul all the time in, in multiple of his letters talks about how he wants the people of God to be marked by faith, hope, and love. And those three things all are directly tied, again, to our trust of God, right? Faith is, is believing something you don't know to come to completion even though you don't have any guarantee of it. Hope is looking in a dark situation and not, you know, knowing for sure that's going to end in a way that is, is, is encouraging, but believing it will still happen anyway. And love is, is, uh, love is not supposed to be something that, you know, you just do when it's easy, 
right? Love is supposed to be done when there is challenge to it, when it's contested, where we don't know for sure if our love is going to be reciprocated or if it's going to bring about some good result. But we still are called to love anyway. And all three of those things call us to really trust God to bring to completion things that he started. And that th- th- these essential postures, character traits, virtues are all sort of premised, again, on the story that God is working and we're called to live within it, right? And so as we become characters in this story, the way we walk in it are through these ways, through the fru- fruit of the Spirit, through faith, hope, and love. That's what it looks like to live within that story. And all of those things are premised on the, the, the idea of a God who is faithful to complete his purposes, and so that allows us to sometimes let go when we have to, right? Or, or be willing to, to let God um, take over a situation and be, don't be like Abraham and Sarah and try to control it ourselves, right? But, but allow and trust God to bring about his work to completion in the way that he chooses to, okay? Um, I think we can, we can sort of, when it comes to stuff like this, we can fall to one side or the other uh, 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 of, of this into either pride or despair, Right? Pride that's like, I'm going to be the one that's going to figure all of it out. I'm going to be the one whose work is going to bring it, this to, it, to completion. I can't trust anybody else. Or despair, which is like, oh, nothing is going to work out. I can't do anything. I'm so, I, you know, it's all hopeless. There's nothing I can do. And really, I mean, those, thing, those things seem opposite of each other, but really they're the same thing. They're a lack of humility. Right? It, it's putting too much weight on yourself to figure out how to bring something through to completion when really we're just supposed to call, call to see ourselves in, in relation to God, right? Which doesn't lead us to pride or despair. So, so those are two takeaways. And the third one that I kind of want to end on here is never forget the hope of a God far beyond our limita- limited perception, okay? So he's beyond us. But don't forget that he is also uh, not going to give up on us. He's not going to give up on the work that he started. And again, this is what, what we find as we read through the whole Bible, is the stuff that God says he's going to do all the way back on page one or two of the Bible, we see him still working on 2,000 years later, right? If he were going to give up on that stuff by now, I think he probably would have, but he hasn't. And so as, as we see him continue to do that, we can have trust in that. What he says in, in verse 11 of Isaiah 55 is, so is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Okay? This, is, this is part of the plan. The stuff that comes out of God's mouth finds completion. It comes back to him in the way that he intends it to. And so there might be a lot of reasons that we might be afraid that God would give up on us or on, on someone else, right? Like a puzzle that just has too many pieces in it, right? We, we, if you've been over to our house recently in our basement, you have noticed that if you've been in over to our house for like the last year, and you've looked in our basement, you'll notice there's a puzzle that is like sitting half finished down there. And um, I'll, I'll take more of the blame for that than Julie. Um, I just like, it, it got too tough for me. Like I gave up. It all looked like the same thing. I couldn't discern anything in it. And, and I, I kind of lost interest in it, right? Um, like you're not a puzzle that's too tough for God to crack, okay? You're not a puzzle at all, okay? Y- you're a child. In Isaiah, uh, a little bit earlier in Isaiah 40, God is described as a shepherd who comes to help his people. And there's still a lot of traces of this God who's far beyond us. But at the same time, he's coming for things that he loves, that he's tasked with caring for because he chooses to. Okay, that's who you are. You're not a puzzle to be cracked 
for God. You're, you're, you're something that he loves and he desires to see flourish and grow and desires to see you be a part of his purposes in the world. Okay, that's what, what God is up to in our lives. And that's what God I- is up to as we celebrate this idea of baptism, right? As if we sort of look at what happens when someone gets baptized. We're, we're, we're looking a ho- forward in anticipation and hope for what God will bring to completion. It's kind of the beginning of the journey a lot of times, um, but it is, um, it is something that w- we're told is sp- we're supposed to find hopeful expectation in. We're supposed to believe that g- God will bring to completion what he starts. And so um, a- as we go into that, that baptism here in just a little bit. That's what I want us to be reflecting on as we think about what will be happening today, what happens in other baptisms, as we look in the lives of other people around us, as we look in our own lives at things that God has started in us um, that are part of his purposes in the world. Um, yeah, there will be times where we'll look at that and we'll, 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 we'll be tempted to be discouraged. And it's not a bad thing to be afraid or nervous or discouraged. But in those moments, find your, remember that your story is a part of a much larger story of what God is doing in the world or the story of someone else that you're not sure what God is up to in the midst of that. It's a part of something far larger and something that has a lot more weight and momentum behind it than whatever m- we might be experiencing in the moment. Okay, so that's our, that's our, that's our uh, big takeaway here is we, 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 we head to this time of baptism. So. Um, we're going to take communion now. Um, y- w- communion and baptism are kind of traditionally seen by the church as the two things that Jesus has given us uh, that, um, that we, 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 we do to mark out that we belong to him. And, and baptism is the thing that starts off uh, the work that God has done, and communion is supposed to be the thing that kind of maintains it, right? And, and there's a reason that w- we take uh, and eat um, stuff that symbolizes Jesus' body broken and shed for us, right? It's supposed to be a sort of spiritual food that nourishes us along the path, okay? And, it, it, and, and what it is is it's us partaking in and reminding ourselves of the work that Jesus has done on our behalf. And it, again, it's a reminder that Jesus' body uh, broken and his blood shed for us is the thing that sustains us. That's why we keep going back to it every single Sunday, is because we know that's where our fuel comes from. That's the thing that is really bringing about the completion of God's work. And so um, as you take communion here during worship, just be thinking about that, and then we'll move our time to a, uh, move our hearts to a time of celebration um, over what God has done as we, we head to baptism. So let me pray, and then the worship team will come up. Lord, we, we thank you this Sunday morning for the work that you've started. Um, and in, in, in not just the, the lives of, uh, of anyone who's getting baptized, but um, in our lives too, God, wherever we're at. If we're at the beginning, if we're at the midpoint, we're in a sense, we're all at the midpoint. And, and you're the one who, who understands what completion will look like. Um, and I pray that we can find hope and encouragement as we wait upon that expectantly, that we can, um, like Paul, b- believe that there will be a good end, Lord, a completion to the work that was started. Even if we're sitting in places as dire as Paul is, sitting in a prison cell, God, I pray that you would give us hope, faith, hope, and love um, that accompany uh, us as we journey along in the purposes that you are bringing to completion in the world. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.